This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 6, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court last week decided SELA v. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or CFPB. The court found that the agency, by vesting so much power in a single director, violates the separation of powers. Cato's Diego Zuluaga and Will Yateman say Congress must revisit the agency's structure sooner than later. The CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, was uh, meant to be an agency that did not exist within the normal uh, structure of the federal government. That is, it's neither a uh, commission uh, nor a, a an executive agency in in a in a sense that is the director of the CFPB could not be removed except for uh ex- for cause they did not derive their revenues from congress so they're not a- directly accountable to congress for funding uh and this was meant to be something that allowed the agency to do its job without these meddling branches of government. So, uh, Will, if you wouldn't mind, tell us what the controversies surrounding CFPB as a constitutional matter uh, have been up to now. The question before the Supreme Court was whether or not the CFPB's structure is unconstitutional. You had mentioned some of its unique factors. I mean, it circumvents the the appropriations process, and it's an independent agency in that its leader can disagree with the president without fear of being fired. It had another unique characteristic. Um, Almost all independent agencies are multi-member bipartisan commissions. The CFPB, by contrast, is one of only four, to be honest, um, agencies that has a structure of an independent uh, agency within one with a single director. So all that authority, instead of being dispersed among five, three or seven people, is concentrated in one person. It's distinct from the other three agencies that have a single director, independent agencies that have a single director, in that it exercises far greater power, far more sweeping power. So CFPB is really unprecedented. What a bare majority of the court determined was that this unprecedented structure was a historical anomaly that conflicted with the separation of powers because it consolidated too much power in the hands of one officer. Uh, So far, so good. Court gets it half right. Uh, The problem is that the court's remedy was in effect to concentrate power in a different person. Um, That is to say, of all these unique factors about the CFPB, CFPB that we were just speaking about, The court identified one, the the removal provision, uh, that is the independence of the agency, whether or not um, the the head of the agency can be fired by the president at will. And the court said, you know, notwithstanding these other unique factors that make this agency a a regulatory powerhouse largely unaccountable, you know, from the congressional appropriators, the, the court focused on this removal provision. And in essence said, as long as the president can remove the head at will, That is, as long as the head is ultra-responsive to the president's policy preferences, then it's constitutional. Um, And and again, the problem there is that the agency remains unaccountable. It's it's not accountable to Congress. So so in effect, I welcome the court's constitutional reasoning when it comes to the CFPB structure. 
but its its solution uh, kind of doubled down the problem. It just rendered the president even more powerful because it puts in his his, his quiver um, uh, this arrow of the C- CFPB. This no longer does the president, when he wants to push his policy priorities in these consumer financial regulations, he doesn't have to haggle with Congress anymore when it comes to funding his priorities. He can just go straight to the Fed. Um, so that's an unfortunate outcome. Okay, so uh, uh, Diego, with respect to this uh, unique uh, structure, this is this has been going on since the CFPB was created. There have been uh, many, several court cases that have have dealt with this. Um, are I guess do you expect this to to stand up long term? I don't, because even though a lot of people were worried about the lack of accountability that the CFPB director had before this ruling. The result of the ruling, as Will was pointing out, is that now consumer financial regulatory policy will be very volatile and dependent on the administration that is in charge at any point in time. And a lot of the supervised entities by the CFPB are concerned that this is going to lead to the pendulum swinging each time and not only regulation being inadequate, whether inadequately uh, onerous or inadequately lax, but also changing all the time. So there's a big push for Congress to now go back to the Consumer Financial Protection Act, which is the statute that established the CFPB. It was Title 10 of Dodd-Frank, the post-crisis financial regulation, and enact some changes that will perhaps turn the CFPB, for example, into a multi-member board that reflects a diversity of views and that because the appointments on the board are staggered, will achieve greater policy stability. What I would add to that, though, is that Congress should take the opportunity to review other parts of that act that created the CFPB, because let's not forget that Dodd-Frank was put together very quickly, even before the investigative commission of the financial crisis issued its report. Uh, And it's been a very controversial act, 850 pages long, ushering in tens of thousands of pages of regulation. It was some parts of it were hastily put together, so much so that the CFPB still hasn't issued rules on some of the parts of the Dodd-Frank Act that concern it. So it's a great opportunity to look at the CFPB, see whether its sweeping powers are indeed adequate, whether it might, for example, acquire federal preemption over state laws. That's another question that should be considered. But generally, to take the opportunity to constrain this agency because it is extremely powerful and it is extremely relevant to American consumers because it handles everything from private student loans to finance companies to some forms of indirect auto lending to other parts of the consumer financial system so it can have a big impact on people's paychecks. Okay. Uh, Will, what is the opportunity here? Uh, just to, to piggyback off what uh, Diego said, that's a great silver lining. Um, this does, the court's result does create an untenable situation. Quite clearly, Congress did not intend for the CFPB to be so responsive to presidential policy preferences. Um, uh, you know, as such, this does provide a fantastic opportunity for Congress to revisit the statute and not just take on the CFPB structure, not, not just perhaps create a multi-member board, also subsume it to the budgetary process to afford congressional appropriators that oversight opportunity. And also, as Diego said, and this is a great point, is to tie up all these loose ends um, that were engendered by the law, the, the rashness of the law's writing. I mean, that is to say, there is a ton of discretionary authority out there 
a shift being in effect seized due to these uh, vagueness, the, the ambiguities of this rushed statute. And this would just be a fantastic opportunity for Congress, given that it, it pretty well must revisit this statute now that the CFPB so poorly comports with Congress's original intent to also, again, tie up these loose ends and, and render the act uh, uh, more reasonable, more uh, uh, less amenable to executive overreach. If I understand Congress correctly, I think I do, at least with, in this one case, they will do the absolute minimum to make any changes to the law. Uh, and if I understand the Supreme Court correctly, and I think in this case I do, they don't want to be responsible for making law or creating uh, effectively new statutes. Um, to the extent that, Will, as you, you mentioned, that there are big problems with how the court decided this, that is, they doubled down on executive power, in a sense. Um, why shouldn't the Supreme Court have gone ahead and said, nah, this, this whole thing is, is uh, not good? Why shouldn't they have indeed? I mean, <laughs> to me, that's the obvious correct result. I mean, to me, the, their opinion is effectively, uh, it's half right, and, and 50% is a failing grade. Um, you know, under the reasoning of the part that strikes down the CFPB structure, well, if you take that to its logical end, they're in effect uh, concentrating power in a different person, the president, the executive power, as you said. Um, I I'll note this, however, it, it, you can't get into the court's mind. I mean, there's no uh, the, whether or not this was an effort by Roberts to walk the tightrope. I, I don't know. I, I do know the result. It, it doesn't reason fairly well as a whole. Um, and, and I do hope, as we were talking about earlier, it provides uh, Congress an impetus for them to get back to the drawing board and, and fix some of the issues left unresolved by the court. Uh, Diego, you, you mentioned what uh, this group ought to look like. Uh, years ago, I remember having a conversation with uh, Todd Zawicki, and I've mentioned it on, on this program a number of times. And uh, uh, we sort of agreed that the biggest problem with the CFPB uh, was that they were only the agency was only given one thing to do, uh, and that is there was no balance to their task of uh, providing protection for uh, consumers uh, with respect to their financial transactions. So, uh, what might the how might the mandate ought to change for this agency if it should continue at all? Well, there are provisions in, in Title 10 of Dodd-Frank that mention things like financial innovation and promoting competition and making sure that consumers have as many options as they possibly can have. But of course, that's just text in the absence of the will to enforce it. And the reality is that the CFPB was born at a time when there was, on the part of certain people, a strong desire to get back the perception that we to get back on Wall Street, get back on the financial sector. And that seemed to suggest a lot of enforcement, a lot of prosecution of firms, uh, instead of focusing on how to expand the scope of products so that if there are costly products and things that are not very good for consumers, they have alternatives that they can turn to and use uh, instead. But the paradox to me of the CFPB is that something that was by design completely removed from political accountability 
was no less political or has been no, no less political of an agency in its actions. The first director was criticized for being extremely aggressive and, and for regulating by enforcement, for pushing the envelope in terms of the CFPB's remit, getting even into areas that its statute didn't explicitly allow. And subsequent appointees now in the Trump administration have been accused of the opposite, of being asleep at the wheel, of uh, deliberately shrinking the agency and undermining it and so forth. So this fantasy on which I think the CFPB was built, that this separate structure could protect it from the petty politics and just have a technocratic enforcement of what good, what's good for the people is just that, a fantasy. And so we need to um, find a way, if there is going to be such a federal agency on which uh, I, I reserve judgment, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to suggest immediate pragmatic reforms to make it better. But if we're going to have it, we should have um, a multi-member composition that is diverse and that gives stability in terms of tenure, but also in terms of the composition of, of, of the rulings and the agenda of policy that they have. All right. Uh, Will, um, if you look at some of these commissions like the SEC, the FCC, uh, and others uh, that have multi-members that are appointed in you know rotating terms on the court uh, on the on the commission itself uh those things evolve right i mean the 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 feds offer or I should say congress offers statutes that that make adjustments to the authorities of these agencies it it seems like cfpb was an agency that was built to just do what it does without any interference whatsoever so how do we expect uh, if this agency were converted to a commission, how th that might evolve versus how these other agencies evolve. Changing the agency to a commission, I think, would mollify, would achieve the results set or hinted at by Diego and, and set forth by the court. I mean, these mollifying results. That is, when you've got a bipartisan commission, that you're going to tend to have more middle ground. Um, also, as you mentioned, with these staggered terms, it's, it's going to, to mitigate the abruptness of, you know, the wholesale change every four years. As you mentioned, with time, these agencies, these commissions engender their own internal culture that is both a function of how they evolve inside and, and also external stimulus from Congress. It's kind of impossible to predict how CFPB would, would turn out 10, 20 years down the road. Um, I will say this, uh, however, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. That doesn't mean we should, we, the Congress shouldn't revisit it and, and arrest this agency somewhat, or at least establish checks, such as a multi-member commission from unfettered, unfettered president management. I, I do want to note this, however, and I'm going to defer to Diego here because I do not know the specifics, but it, uh, Diego, is the CFPB one of the agencies, the few agencies that 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 God board, the, the one of like the Fed, the Treasury Secretary, whatever it is, can can undo CFPB regulations? Is there that ultimate umbrella check? Do you know what I'm talking about, or is that only you're you're, to you're talking about FSOC, the Financial Stability Oversight Council? I don't know if they have powers to undo CFPB rules, but if there was an appointment that could be made by the president of a new director when the administration changes. Of course, that changes the composition of FSOC, and that may change then things like which financial services firms, which large banks and insurance companies and potentially other financial institutions are designated systemic and therefore 
are under special obligations. So it does have an impact on other parts of regulatory policy beyond the CFPB. The CFPB has regulatory authority. Um, People are supposed to be able to comment on pending regulations. And without the input of Congress uh, or the potential to have the head of an agency removed, uh, which is now at least in the cards for uh, after this Supreme Court decision, CELA v. CFPB, um, you know, how realistic is it to expect an agency to pay serious attention to commenters on regulation if the agency is effectively not accountable to two branches of government? Absolutely. And and that happened on several occasions. I remember when the CFPB issued a payday rule, that is a rule that would have covered short-term loans, short-term high-cost loans, and vehicle title loans, affecting a significant part of the market, about $40 billion worth of loans. Um, they took comments and they cited the comments in their final rule, which was about 550 pages long, not the most thrilling read, so I don't necessarily recommend it, but I did read it. And there they at each turn, they talk about the consensus of comments saying this and the consensus of comments speaking against another proposal. And then they follow up by saying, still, we've decided to carry on with what we proposed in the first place. There was a, a perception, and I think this is not controversial even among people who generally support the idea of a CFPB, that the CFPB was acting according to its own preconceptions and whatever the people working there thought, and that the input, uh, particularly from financial services institutions for years and years, uh, was not particularly welcome, but was most of the time ignored either way. Diego Zutalaga is a policy analyst and Will Yateman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.